Welcome to the Lifehouse Message Podcast. Please make sure to follow or subscribe to this so that you can get all the latest messages. We hope that you are inspired, empowered, and encouraged by the message today. Let's enjoy. Hey everyone, Richard here from Lifehouse in Hong Kong. And I'm excited. We're talking about purpose all this month and last month. And I believe today's message is going to help you to stay on that, that path, that lane of purpose that God has for you. Because I believe that God has a, has a significant uh, meaning, a significant reason for you to be here on this earth. He's got something for you to do. And as we discover that together, hey, it's going to bring joy. It's going to bring, um, I don't know, fulfillment in our lives. I love this topic. So, hey, before we get started, let me just pray and then we'll get into it. Jesus, we thank you that you have a plan, you have a purpose for our lives. Uh, you give us meaning. And I just thank you for that. I thank you that we can live rich, full and fulfilling lives, even when things are up and down. And I pray that you'd speak to us, touch uh, our hearts uh, as we hear this message. In Jesus' name, amen. Yay. All right. Well, hey, my message today is on a topic that I think everyone struggles with at some point in their own heart. And the question is, how do I stop comparing myself with other people? You know, this is something that I think is common to, common to man, common to women as well. This, this heart of looking at other people's lives and then measuring ourselves against that. And I live in a household with four little boys. I have four kids and they're all very close in age. So there's a lot of competitiveness in my house. There's a lot of wrestling. There's a lot of fighting. Some of it's healthy. Some of it's unhealthy. There's a lot of pointing fingers. There's a lot of blame saying, uh, he's the naughty one. I'm the good one. There's a lot of comparison. And, uh, it, you know, it, it starts it starts out in us at an early age, right? Every parent who's got more than one kid knows this. And I even saw this uh, just last night. One of my children came to me with their report card from school and uh, it said 96 out of 100. And I was, I was stoked. Like, I don't think I ever got in the 90s in my life. Like, wow, I've given, you know, me and my wife, we've, we've, we've had uh, a genius of a child. Like, yay, my wife gave birth to a genius. That's awesome. And so I'm like, here's my chance to encourage my son, right? And I start encouraging him. And he said, oh, Jason in my class got 97. And I'm like, what? I don't care about Jason. I care about you, you know? And of course, I didn't say that. We love Jason. But the point was, hey, it's not about someone else's score. Hey, you did a great job. And I think sometimes uh, we can have that kind of a, a spirit where even if, even if we're doing well, we're still looking at someone else and we're comparing with what God's doing in our life versus their life or, what's, or the negative things that are happening to them or versus us. And it's just a dangerous place for our heart to be in. And I think we're all going to struggle with that at different moments in our life. And the good news is, is that there's some great stories in the Bible, some great examples of amazing Christian leaders who even they themselves struggled with this and overcame it through the power of Jesus. And I want to talk today about two very awesome men of God, Peter and John. 
two of Jesus' closest disciples. They had uh, many special experiences with Jesus that even the other disciples uh, didn't have. Uh, Jesus kept these guys very close, and they went on to really be pillars of uh, the New Testament church. Like These guys had a massive purpose, God purpose, for their life, and yet at times they got stuck in this kind of pettiness, this comparison, uh, this uh, competitive nature with each other. And I'm sure these friends, I'm sure a lot of it was good natured, but I do think at times there was maybe a, a bit of a hint of comparison in their hearts as they looked at each other and they measured each other up, you know, against themselves. So we're going to go to a story where we discover the empty tomb of Jesus, right? This is like one of the most central parts of the Christian story, right? The whole Bible, like right here, Jesus is alive, he's risen, and Mary discovers the empty tomb. It's Easter, and in John 20, verse 1, it says, Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. Yes, Jesus is alive. And church, I want to tell you, Jesus is alive today. He's powerful, and He wants to help transform your heart. He's done that to me. He's helped me in areas that I couldn't help myself. Self-help is good, but Jesus' help is supernatural. And if you've got a challenge in your life, I want to encourage you, come to Jesus with that, with that area, that area of your life that you can't change. Jesus can help you because He's supernatural. That's who He is. He rose from the grave. And this is a big moment, right? The whole focus should be, the focus of this story should be on Jesus, right? But John is actually the one writing this, right? This is the Gospel of John. Okay, so he's writing this about his moment with Mary and Peter. So verse 2, she comes running to Simon Peter and the other disciple. Who's that other disciple? It's John, right? It's only Peter and John there. The other disciple, the one that Jesus loved. I love this because... You know, we've got, we've got the disciple that Jesus loved. And, and John is referring to himself, um, you know, as the other disciple. He's, try, he's trying to like almost distance him, himself from it. But he's saying the one that Jesus loved. Yeah, there's the one that Jesus loved and Peter. <laughs> right? Like, can you, like, why didn't he just say like the, the ones that Jesus loved? Or why, did, why didn't he just name himself? Uh, but, but it says, it says they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they have put him. So the focus should have been on the tomb, but John is talking about the one that, that, that Jesus loves. And, and it's kind of this, this funny comparison moment. And I, I think it's great that John had this revelation that Jesus loves him. I think we should all be uh, leading and living out of a place of I am accepted. I am special. I am loved by Jesus. I think we should all have that revelation. What an awesome revelation. But it's just funny how it was, there almost seems like there is this comparison with him and Peter. Verse 3, so Peter and the other disciples started for the tomb, right? These guys are excited or confused or not knowing what's going to happen. Wow, the tomb is empty. Did someone steal the body? What has happened? Uh, so that you know, this is big news. They start running for the tomb, 
And here's where once again, I think John kind of loses the focus that it should be on Jesus and the tomb and what's, hap- what's happening here on Easter Sunday. But instead, he kind of puts some little details in this story that we do- I don't really think we really needed to know. Verse 4, both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. Yes, Peter, the- for the rest of human history, the world will know that I beat you in a race. Ha ha ha. Like, I can also almost imagine John writing this gospel like, ha, ah, sucked in, Peter. Like, the whole world's going to know that you are slow. <laughs> I am the fastest runner. You lose, Peter. And uh, in, hey, th- this is almost like how kids behave in a way. I remember in primary school, it was like the coolest kid was the fastest kid, the kid who could run the, run the fastest. And for a short season of my life, I was that, was that child and I was the fastest kid in school. And I remember at that time, at the peak of my fastness, my family moved from New Zealand to Australia. I moved to a bigger school. I was no longer the fastest kid. I started going to high school and no one really cared at that point. And I remember an old family friend came over to Australia and, and one of the first things they said to me, hey, hey, Richard, there's a new kid in our school and I think he's even faster than you. And I'm like, What? I haven't thought about that for months. Like, who, who cares? Who cares who's the fastest? Like, this is, these, this is something that kids argue about, um, not grown adults, um, unless, of, unless, of course, you're at a church picnic. And recently, uh, we had a church picnic, and we had all of our young people there, and I know one of, one of our girls, actually, she's really fast. She's an athlete, and uh, she's done very well in uh, track. Uh, and uh, so she's fast. And I said, hey, why don't you guys have a race <laughs> to the young people? So they did it. They had this race, and we're all laughing on the sidelines. And then they challenged me to the race. And because I kind of started this whole process, I'm like, oh, I really have to kind of do this now, and everyone's watching. So I'm like, in my head, I'm still thinking I'm pretty fast, all right? But I forgot the fact that I'm now 38 and, uh, I, you know, I, I'm not like hugely overweight, but I am not in shape. I don't go to the gym. I should. I know all of that, but I am not in shape. And so I want to show you the outcome of our church picnic running race. Yes, I embarrassed myself in front of the whole church and uh, I didn't finish the race. Uh, My children all saw that and they still talk about it to this day. So I guess that's what happens um, when you get a little bit of pride in your heart and uh, I will not be in any more running races going forwards. But this is... You know, I'm thinking about all this. I'm thinking about Peter and John and John kind of bragging about him winning the race. And it just, it, it doesn't make a lot of sense why this is in there. Verse 5, let's continue. It says, he bent over. This is John, right? He gets to the tomb first. He bent over and he looked at the strips of linen, right? From Jesus, from Jesus' body. But he did not go in. Why didn't he go into the tomb? Well, because you don't just step into a tomb right? You don't go stand on someone's grave. That's disrespectful in any culture. 
Um, it's rude to do that. So he's saying, look, I got there first. I was definitely first, but I, you know, I'm observing, um, you know, I'm honoring the grave here of Jesus. Verse six, but then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. Right, Peter, the, the, the kind of impulsive guy that he is, he just blasts into the tomb, doesn't even care about honoring the grave of Jesus. And so we can even see a little bit of comparison right there. Peter making a fool of himself yet again. Verse 8, finally the other disciple, right, that's John, who had reached the tomb first, don't forget, also went inside. He saw and believed. So John is pointing out that he saw and he believed, not that they saw and believed. Oh yeah, I was the one that believed. Reminding us again of this kind of back and forth between Peter and John. And look, I, I don't know how much of this was just fun, how much of this was just friends being competitive or whether there was an unhealthy element to this. But what I do know is this, is that comparison is a lose-lose game for our souls. When we measure ourselves against other people, the people around us, the people in the office, the people at church, uh, the people in your family, maybe your brother or sister, when we weigh ourselves and, and measure ourselves against them, it's always a lose-lose for our hearts. Always. Some look, whether the outcome is good or bad, you may look at other people and say, well, you can compare yourself with, with your brother's life decisions and all of this, and you actually end up, hey, I'm actually doing pretty good. Well, if you're, if you're better, if you're higher than someone else, that actually leads us to a place of pride. It leads us to a place of judgment, of a critical kind of criticism spirit, uh, of a place of lack of empathy for other people and their positions. And to be honest, this is the disease of the Pharisees. They thought they were so good. Uh, these religious guys back in the day that put Jesus on the cross, they thought everyone else was wrong and they were right. They looked down on, remember how much they called people sinners, the sinners, but we're the righteous ones. Hey, that leads to pride. That's, a, that's us losing. We're not going to win if we're, we're living from a place of pride. The other, the other outcome of comparing ourselves with other people is that we're lower than them. We're not as good. We're not as spiritual. Uh, we're not as blessed. We're not as talented. And what does that lead to? Well, it leads to discouragement. It leads to being jealous. It leads to envy. It, lends, it leads to resentment and maybe even depression. And I can think of times where you know, maybe there's been moments where people are watching their friends get married and they're still single and you know, looking, wishing that they kind of had their life and it's turning into a bit of jealousy and, and it turns into resentment and you end up in, with bitterness, like you lose. Comparison is a lose-lose game for our souls. And there's, there's a famous quote, I don't know who it's from, it's, a, it's anonymous at this point, but it says, everybody is a genius. But if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, it will live its whole life believing that it's stupid, 
right? And that's what happens when we compare ourselves with others and we put them up here and we say, oh, they're so great and their marriage is awesome and their kids are so well behaved and, uh, or, or their, their results are so good in life. And you just end up believing that you're stupid and you're never going to flourish in that case. And it's actually going to really hurt the purpose of God in your life. And it's going to lead you away from joy. And I remember sitting with a young man many years ago in our church. And this was a guy who was a great guy. And, and he was a good looking guy. He was single. And I knew that there was some interest from some of the, some of the ladies. All right? I, he, he, was in a, he was in a good position, right? He was positioned well, okay? Single guy. He's looking. And I remember asking him, hey, you got any interest in the church? And he just said to me, you know, I just don't really feel that good about my job. I don't think anyone would want me for the career that I have. And uh, he just looked down on his job. And I I was shocked by his answer because I just just wasn't thinking that at all. I I just saw a great guy who loves God and, um, you know, had everything going for him. Um, He was working, you know, responsibly. Uh, you know, he had a job. It wasn't like he was lazy, but he just had this thing in his heart where he was looking at other guys and comparing his career with theirs. And, you know, sadly, to this day, that guy is still single. And I know he wants a relationship, and he could have been very happily married by now at this point. There were opportunities there, you know, from an objective standpoint. I could see the opportunities were there, but he had already defeated himself in his own heart because he was playing the comparison game. It's a lose-lose game. Nobody wins when we play the comparison game. In fact, in fact, Theodore Roosevelt said, comparison is the thief of joy. It will actually steal your joy. You look at other people and it robs you of the joy that God wants to give you of running in your own lane. You will find joy as you run in your own lane. Now, comparison, hey, I, I, I know maybe this is not new to any of us. Uh, we all kind of battle with this at times in our heart. But how do we really beat this? Well, a big part of this is finding purpose. That's why we've been talking about purpose over these last couple of months. As you discover kingdom purpose, God's purpose for you on this earth, you're actually going to, uh, you're going to actually stop looking at other people and their purpose and God's plans for them. And you're going to be getting excited about God's plans for you. This happened with Peter and John as they matured, as they became more comfortable in their own skin and in their own plan and purpose. You see them writing less and less about each other and more writing about all the wonderful things that God was doing in their lives. Galatians 6 verse 4 says, Pay careful attention to your own work. For when you do, sorry, for then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done and you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else. What a great scripture. Pay careful attention to your own purpose, your own vision, God's mission for you on this earth, and then you won't be comparing yourself with anyone else. There's definitely been moments in my life where I've been tempted to look at other people's journeys, maybe through social media. I mean, that can be killer. And by the way, if there's someone that you need to unfollow or maybe even just mute for a season, because when you see their posts, 
you start playing that comparison game, maybe you just need to mute that person for a season. It is not worth it for, your, for, the, happy, for the joy of your own soul. Um, but we've all been tempted, and there have been moments of my life where I've been t- tempted to think, oh, I wish I could had, had their situation. I wish I had, uh, you know, I, I lived there, or I could do that, or I had th- those friends, or whatever it is. We've all felt those moments in our life. And there's a saying in English, we say, the grass is greener on the other side. (laughs) It's like this thing where I'm never happy with what God's given me, but someone else's life always looks better. And there's also another saying that we say, the grass is actually greener where you water it. That's the truth. The grass isn't greener on someone else's lawn. The grass is green when I take care of my grass. When I, when I sow love into my family, I'm going to get excited about my family. When I sow, lo- uh, when I sow uh, you know, effort and, and, and passion into my calling, then I'm going to be excited about what God is doing in, in my calling and in, in, in my purpose as we invest in what God is calling us to do, we're going to see joy coming out of that. We're going to see fruit coming out of that. And the, the next verse, actually following on from that, says, for each one should carry their own load. We can't be looking at other people's load and saying, I wish I had their load. Their load doesn't fit. Their kingdom responsibility is different than yours. We talked about that a few weeks ago. Stop wishing for someone else's load someone else's personality, someone else's talents or their calling or their opportunities, someone else's family. You know, we won't be distracted by comparison if we're captivated with our own purpose. If we're excited about our own purpose, the more we start focusing on that, we're not going to be looking left and right. The Bible calls this lane that we're running in, like our good works, Ephesians 2 verse 10, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. He's laid out the lane. He's got the lane for us to run in. He's prepared these good works for us. We're God's handiwork. We're unique. You know, the the monkey is no better than the fish, but the monkey's designed to climb. The fish is designed to swim. They're both special. They're both loved. They're both God's masterpiece and so are you and we are different hey you're a genius my friend God has made you a genius at something you're talented you're skilled you're anointed for something but it's different than what I'm anointed for and we've got to discover the joy of running in our lane you know I want to finish with one last story of Peter and John and this kind of comparative uh, spirit that they had uh you might know the story where Jesus was sitting with Peter after he's risen, right? He's come back to life. Like Jesus is alive. Like our sins are forgiven. Like history has changed forever. And Jesus is sitting with Peter and Jesus asked Peter three times the same question. Do you love me, Peter? And Peter's like, what? Yes, of course. Of course I love you. And three times Jesus replies back to him kind of the same thing. He says, feed my sheep feed my lambs. Basically, take care of the flock that I'm giving you, Peter. He speaks purpose over Peter's life. Peter, you're going to be an amazing pastor. You're going to be an incredible church planter and church leader, an incredible apostle. 
You're going to go down in, in the history books. People are going to be talking about you for thousands of years as you pastor the church that I'm giving you. Feed my sheep, Peter. Build the kingdom. And Peter, instead of getting excited about this incredible vision that Jesus is speaking directly to him, Peter says this in John 21, verse 20. Peter turned around and he saw behind them the disciple that Jesus loved. (laughs) Peter is looking at John once again. And Peter asked Jesus, What about him, Lord? Jesus replied, If I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? As for you, Peter, follow me. As for you, follow me. Don't worry about him. Don't worry about her. Take your eyes off them. As for you, come and follow me because I have a life of purpose. I have a life of joy. I have a life of fulfillment and great relationships. Yes, there'll be ups and downs, but hey guys, there is nothing better than staying in your lane with Jesus, the lane He's marked out for you. And I believe with the Holy Spirit's help, we can say no to that spirit of comparison and run our, ra- uh, our, run our races and, and stay in our lanes and win the prize with Jesus. I want that for all of you. I want that for me too. Why don't we take a moment just, just now to pray over this? It's something that we're all going to be tempted in at some point. Maybe that never goes away, actually, that temptation. Let's pray over that and uh, believe that God's going to help us to stay in our lanes. Lord, we thank you that you have an incredible purpose for us. That, Lord, we want to love our lanes. We don't want to be looking at other people's lives and their decisions and and what they have, God. We we, We know, we trust that you know exactly what is best for us, that you have marked out good works, a heavenly purpose for us. And God, we, 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 we just say yes to getting excited about those things. Yes to getting excited about our anointing, our gifts, where you've placed us, the opportunities that are before us, our church, our families, our relationships, our marriages. Lord, we, we say no to comparison. It's a lose-lose game, Lord, and we want to win with you. So thank you, Jesus, for this incredible lane you've marked out for each one of us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, church, I think that's a powerful prayer to pray. And I hope that God has done something wonderful in your life right now as we've prayed that prayer. Well, we also want to pray for one other group of people. Maybe there's someone here today and they're saying, I want Jesus in my life. I want to, I want to run this race, but I've got to get in the race. And that all begins with a relationship with Jesus. Yes, the tomb is empty. He's risen again. He's a living God. He's powerful. He wants to know you personally. He's, he's a part of my life and you can have Him too. So right now, if you want Jesus, whether that's coming back to Him or, or coming to Him for the first time, why don't you pray this prayer as I read it out on the screen? Dear Jesus, I believe in you. Thank you for forgiving me. Come into my life and I will follow you. Amen. Praise God. Jesus is in your life. You have a relationship with Him and we're excited about that. Why don't you get connected here at Lifehouse and have an amazing week. God bless. 
Thanks for listening today. We hope that God was able to speak to you through the message. If you consider Lifehouse your church home, or if you were blessed by these messages, then why not consider generously supporting us? Simply go to mylifehouse.com give and find the giving way that works best for you. Have a blessed day and we'll catch you all next time.